All right, we're going to start talking about hobbits. Who knows about hobbits? Anybody know about hobbits? So J.R. Tolkien uh, wrote a book called The Hobbit, and hobbits are interesting creatures. If you've read the book or if you've seen the movies, and the third movie's coming out this, uh, this Christmas, um, but hobbits are people, how Tolkien describes it, who love life, who love food, who love to hang around with their friends and family, love conversation, love parties, love community. And this book is, is about one hobbit called Bilbo Baggins. And Bilbo Baggins in The Hobbit is kind of forced to go on an adventure with people he doesn't like so much. They're dwarfs. You ever have to do things with people you don't like so much? Yeah. And so, so the dwarfs are messy, pushy, loud. Uh, sometimes they can get uh, difficult to be around. And uh, some of my family members are saying, yeah, maybe I live with a dwarf because maybe I'm difficult to get around with. But, um, but they're also sojourners. They're wanderers. And so this next clip we're going to see, we're, it's not at the movies this week, if you're wondering, but we are going to just watch a clip. And Bilbo's been on this journey for a while, and he's coming to a decision point because he's having a hard time uh, doing life with these dwarfs. And so take a look at this clip, and then we'll jump into the talk. Where do you think you're going? Back to Rivendell. No, no, you can't turn back now. You're part of the company. You're one of us. Not though, am I? Thorin said I should never have come, and he was right. I'm not a took, I'm a Baggins. I don't know what I was thinking. I should never have run out my door. You're homesick. I understand. No, you don't. You don't understand. None of you do. You're dwarves. You're used to, to, to this life, to living on the road, never settling in one place, not belonging anywhere. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't... <clears throat> no, you're right. We don't belong anywhere. I love that scene because... Um... Both of them are feeling lost. Bilbo, the hobbit's feeling lost because he's homesick and he's so far from home. And the dwarf is feeling lost because he doesn't have a home. Neither of them feels fully in place. And I'm not sure if Tolkien, when he wrote this, was trying to give us insight into our culture or insight into the human experience or our own society. But it's hard not to connect the hobbit and the dwarf to what it means to be part of something, to what it means to be home, what it means to have a sense of belonging, a sense of place. When you think about humanity, each and every one of us long for something like that. We long to have a sense of belonging. It's a picture of what it means to be a person. And unfortunately, in our culture, in humanity, in this state, it sometimes seems like we're constantly lost, like we're constantly looking, not finding what we're looking for. The last few weeks, we've been talking in this series called You Are Here, and we learned from this ancient letter to Jewish exiles in the 600 BC, and we we learned that even the Jews were set into a place where they didn't feel like they were at home, and God had told them, build your houses there, build a home there, get rooted there. And we started to discover that part of, I think, the human experiences, we're looking socially and spiritually at the same time what it means to have a sense of belonging. 
Now, we made a strong emphasis over the last few weeks on what that means socially. In a sense, you know, contribute to the common good of the city. Uh, build roots here. Build a life here equally while you are also being rooted in Jesus. Be rooted in the city. But today what I want to do is I want to connect what we've been learning for the last few weeks to our mission as a church. And our mission as a church is really simple. And we've said it over and over again uh, throughout the year. It's, it's simply this. Connecting people to a growing relationship with Christ and each other. Part of me wants to add connecting people to Christ, each other, and their city. Um, we, won't, we, won't, we don't have to add words for that, but part of me wants to say that because it feels like that's part of what we should be doing and already are doing in some degree. But think about this. Is, it, is seeking the good of the city part of this mission? Does, or does this mission contribute to the good of the city? Do they work with each other socially and spiritually? You know, Jesus didn't separate the two. And his commandment in, in the Gospels that's re- referenced in the Old Testament is love God and love your neighbor. Grow spiritually, grow socially. The cross, we just, we just celebrated the cross today. It's, it's vertical, it's re- reconciling a relationship with us and God, but it pours out horizontally, which reconciles people to one another when they embrace it. Jesus didn't separate the two. I love this quote from one guy, uh, Ray Backey. He says this, God's kingdom uh, agenda seeks two things, the personal salvation of persons and the social transformation of places, spiritual and social. However, for Jesus, there was a starting point. He came here. He moved into our neighborhood. And Jesus said, without any, with, without any problems, he said, I have come to seek and save that which is lost. That's what he said. For Jesus, at that time, it was first Israel, then the world. Both Israel and the world were lost. And God established initially with Israel a a nation to be a light to the nations. But then he sent his son Jesus to fulfill that vocation as Israel didn't fulfill it. And it seems like even in the story of scripture, humanity... Even those who know God seem to be constantly looking for a sense of belonging, a sense of home, a sense of rootedness, but also spiritually rooted in something. And it's funny that today with all the progress in the world that we've had in the modern world, uh, people are still wandering. People are still searching. People are still looking, looking for a home, I think, socially and spiritually. Last night I was at a party and I met these two guys um, and it was incredible. Smart guys, articulate guys. Uh, One had all these theories about life and spirituality and religion. One guy was a little less into uh, into the intricacies of it, but our conversation was so wide and varied. But I left frustrated and excited. I left frustrated because it was so hard to just even think of answering all of their questions. And I left excited because there was such a search in their hearts. There was such a burning search in their hearts to find truth, to find meaning, to find, in a sense, a a home, spiritually. And it's funny, in our growing age, have you guys heard of atheist churches popping up? There's atheists who are trying to build churches. And they don't want the religious stuff, but they want a church. And so atheists are trying to think of church, and agnostics are, are wrestling with moral boundaries and how to, how to figure that out in life. We've seen stories of some of the most successful people in the world dropping everything because they realize some of the things that they're pursuing in life aren't the meaningful things. I just read a story of a CEO of one of the top global investment companies in the world. He manages $2 billion of investments, and he quit his job. Because one day his daughter handed him a letter and listed 22 events that he missed in her life. And so 
he decided right there and then I'm quitting my job. And he created a rhythm in his life to be able to pursue something that's better or deeper. Um, The world is longing for home. The world is longing for a sense of belonging, a sense of home, socially and spiritually. So the question for us, as we think about what it means to be a church, is how will we respond? How will we help them find it? And when God looked at the world in this condition, even 2,000 years ago, what did he do? He moved into the neighborhood. He sent Jesus, and he moved into a little part of the world called Palestine, and he moved into the neighborhood. And here's, here's one of the verses that describes it. It's, for, it's John chapter 1, verse 14. It says, The word, talking about Jesus, became human and made his home among us. The word became human and made his home among us. Think about that word for a second. That word home, what it, what it, the original word for that is, is a word that symbolizes something even in the Old Testament called tabernacle where it was God's dwelling place with humanity. And so what John the writer is saying there is, is God moved, God, God started to dwell with humanity locally, locally on the ground. He made his dwelling among us, among humanity. And it's funny because when God wanted to announce the kingdom of heaven to the world, he sent his son to a relatively small part of the world, and Jesus never left that part of the world. Jesus was local. Jesus, now, time and, like, the time was different, you know, they didn't have planes and, and cars and jeeps and all that kind of stuff to cross the desert areas and all, all that, but God sent Jesus to this little part of the world to affect the whole world. I mean, the gospel held the power to reconcile all people to God, to break down the barriers of hostility in our world, and God sent Jesus to this little outpost where Jesus never really left. He came to save the world, but he never left Palestine. And think about, was the impact any less? Like he never, his feet never went out of those, went out of that boundary. But his message got out. In fact, the gospel of the kingdom went viral and Facebook didn't even exist back then. I mean, he didn't need that. What Jesus did was he, he, he poured into people And he brought the message of the kingdom so real and alive in that context. And he poured into other disciples that he he built up. And it started to spread from there. Jesus had this global mission, but he acted locally. Ever hear that phrase? Think globally, act locally. Jesus was the king of that. He never went to any other part of the world. But for three years of a specific ministry, he acted locally. He loved people and healed people. And he enacted God's kingdom for people as he healed them and demonstrated God's power. And and he educated people about the kingdom. He spoke about the kingdom. He he invited people to consider what it meant. And, And think about this. Jesus was in exile too. Just like the Jews were in the 6th century BC, Jesus was in exile. His origins from heaven. But he made his dwelling home. He lived and worked and he went to weddings and parties when he lived a life here. And when he finally started his ministry, he gathered a few local people and poured into them and they started to follow him and became his disciples. Think about just how Jesus did that and what that means for us. Here, here's a passage in the early church that gives us a little bit of an idea of what that looks like. We've looked at this before as a church, but listen to it again. It's, it's 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 4 and 5, and then verse 9 and on. And listen how, how Peter describes 
a community of Christ followers on mission together. He says this, as you come to him, talking about Jesus, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, living stones, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. In verse 9, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Here's, I mean, did you catch Peter's word? If you've been with us for the last three, four weeks, Peter calls these, these people exiles, strangers, because the people he's writing to are marginalized in their own city. They're left to the margins. They're not given the same opportunity as everybody. They're not always treated equally as everybody else. And so he understands what they're feeling like. They're feeling like strangers and exiles in their own city. But that doesn't stop Peter from helping them understand the bigger picture and who they are and what they're meant to be like in that place. The early church understood what God was up to. He was building each disciple of Christ into a community that would become a family connected to Jesus. And listen to the words. He calls Jesus the living stone, and he calls disciples living stones. And he says that God is building up these living stones into this spiritual house. We, we took this phrase a few years ago, spiritual house, and, and we'd use a phrase a lot around here that says we're God's living and local presence. Spiritual, living, house, local. God's living and local presence in our city, in our neighborhoods. A house is tangible, it's present, it's visible, it's local. And then it's this community. Did you catch what Peter, how Peter describes these Christians? Later in verse 9, he, he calls them three words. He says, you're a people, you're a priesthood, you're a nation. Now, they're not officially a nation because <laughs> they're not all part of the same nation. But he, he, he describes them as this people connected to God's family. They're not blood-related. It's not their ethnic background. They, they didn't all join this through marriage or family. Um, you know, it wasn't like, it wasn't like that, but it's this language of still God's people, but now with this mission for the whole world and yet locally reflecting where it is. And so here's the church fulfilling what Israel was always meant to fulfill, to be a light to the nations. And here's Peter's call to the church. I love it. Live such good lives among the pagans or among the people, among the community, the city around you. Live such good lives among the people. Think about that for a second. He's not saying be perfect. He's not saying you, it all rests on you, but he's saying let what God has done in you overflow out of you so the world around you will see it and discover who God is. So we've been talking about lately, you are here. And today maybe we'll switch it a bit and we'll say we are here. We'll end this series, not just individually, you are here, but saying we are here together as a community. 
our lives together, pointing people to discover who God is. The scriptures describe us this way, that we're, the, we're this witnessing community of people. So think about it. If Jesus moved into the neighborhood, if Jesus was local, if, if the church is described as this spiritual house, what does it mean for you and me? What does it look like for you and me? And we might describe it as a family on mission, that we are a family of people following Jesus, not connected uh, ethnically or by blood, but through Jesus Christ to be here on mission as a witnessing community. We're sent out together. I was thinking back for the summer. Here are some pictures that, that I think about. Like this for me is our community on mission. Here we're baptizing someone at Cap, Cap Saint-Jacques and here's people together around. So this is not individual you are here. We are here together. This next one is one of our church at home groups in July and there's some neighbors actually in that and I don't know who they are but I know they're a neighbor because they're not, you know, I haven't seen them before. And so, and here's a bunch of students from West Side that together went on mission and spread out some news for our barbecue this summer and this last one is super fun. This is all our volunteers uh, for our community barbecue this past August where we served close to 800 people and I just, I think about that here. This is a family on mission, a community of Christ followers together saying we are here. We're here for the common good of the city, but we're also here for the greater good of the city, which is Jesus. So people will come to know who Jesus is because our mission is to connect people to a growing relationship with Christ and to each other. So think about it this way. We're a gospel community. And as that overflows with practical life application, we're also communicating the gospel, not just in action, but in words. And so when we think about what it means to be here together as a church community in our city, we're a gospel community, but we're a gospel community that communicates the gospel. And we do it through life, but we do it through words as well. So how do we do that? How do we want to do this as a church, as Westside? Well, I think it's, it's a couple of things, and it's, we're called to make disciples, Jesus says simply, go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them everything I've commanded. Immerse them in the way of the kingdom and immerse them in the way of the gospel. So we're making disciples, but we're not doing it alone. It's not just, you know, me making a disciple of Rob or Rob making a disciple of someone else, but we're doing it together in community. So we're making disciples together. And when we do that, we're gathering together. When we're here together, we're gathering together. And we're on a path of discipleship together. Regardless of where you are in your spiritual journey, you might be here today for the first time and saying, I'm just kind of wondering who God is. Well, that's just part of the journey. This, the, the early part of discovery. But Jesus says, make disciples. And there's different parts of that journey. And so we do that together. We gather together. We do that in groups. But then we spread out into our city. And sometimes I was thinking about this. We, we talked so much about neighborhoods, but when we think about how we spread out, we spread out in these two ways. We spread out in neighborhoods and in networks. All of us live in a neighborhood, some neighborhood. All of us can identify with a neighborhood in some way. God has, is sending you there to be on mission there. And if there's other believers, whether they're part of Westside or not, you can, work, you can come together and pray together and seek the good of that neighborhood and be on mission there. But then there's our networks, because we're not all connected through neighborhoods. Some of us are connected through networks at work, hobbies, sports. And so God uses us in the neighborhood and in the networks 
to spread his gospel, to spread his love, to, to invite people to know our great God and who he is, what he's, what he's doing and what he longs for people's lives. And so when we think about this, we want to organize ourselves in these ways. We want to be God's living and local presence in neighborhoods and in networks. Have you ever had a house renovation project and it's been more than three or four rooms and you're like, where the heck do I start? You can't, just can't do the whole thing. I mean, you can't fathom how to, how to even cover that. But then you say, you know what? This next year, we're just going to do the bathroom. <laughs> and so that was really funny, I guess. But <laughs> and so, and so, so what is that? That means that we can't, it's, it's difficult to just kind of do everything at once. God loves the whole city. He loves the whole province. He loves our whole nation. But he's placed us in neighborhoods. And so here we are thinking about our neighborhood, our network. And if that's all we do, and, and, and God uses us there, and we grow there, and we live on mission there, God will, be, God will take care of how that spreads. Jesus never stepped foot out of Palestine. But millions of people follow him today all over the world. And he never stepped foot out of Palestine. He lived locally. So what does that mean for us? I think it means a couple of things. It means how do we partner on mission together? So when we invite people to serve, we invite people to get involved, we invite people to contribute, what we're saying is let's join together on mission. You know, today's our 11th anniversary, and it just reminds me God is still calling us in greater and greater ways to impact the city. But we could ne- and then we've seen some new leaders step in place because we, we realized we cannot go further if we don't go broader. And God's inviting us to get involved and to serve and to partner with Westside on mission. He's calling us to serve in some part of that mission with your time and with your talent, with your skills, with your gifts. And so whether it's through a ministry team that we invite people to consider, whether it's through local partnership efforts, whether it's through funding our mission through our resources and our finances, we can serve together and serve some part of that mission together. And when I, when some of the pictures you saw there, that was people joining together to serve God's greater mission together. If you've walked in and you see the whole side of this, this, this building filled with rooms of people, with little people, with kids, and people are serving those kids, it's because they've joined together in the greater mission of connecting people to Christ and each other. And they're serving a greater mission, but they're coming together to do it. And so when we think about that, whether it's trying to help uh, you know, new parents experience a gathering so their kids could be in a nursery for that time frame, or it's, it's, it's serving older kids, but, or it's something else within our, in our space, in our mission, either it's on Sundays or beyond, it's people coming together for that. One of my favorite pockets of this is our, is our community groups. And we challenge people all the time, consider, what, consider getting connected to a group. That's, that's one of the best ways that we can actually start reaching neighborhoods and networks. To join a community group. Um, because community groups grow upwardly, upwardly towards our relationship with God, but then they grow inwardly with each other. And then they grow outwardly to the world around them. And they start serving the world around them. And some incredible stuff has been happening in our groups. I was thinking about this recently, and Barbara's here this morning. Barbara, it's so good to see you. We're glad to see you. Um, we've been praying for her and Louie and as we pray for many people in our community. But something neat 
has been happening in the group that she's a part of. As, as her family's been going through something, people in her group have gathered around her and served them. Now, if you know Barbara, if you've been in her orbit, you've likely been served by her in some way over the last couple of years. And, and uh, even our church and how we extend into the community, she's been a part of that. But in this season, there's people that have been helping her and, and Louie and, and what they've been walking through. And, and it's been incredible just chatting with, with Terry, who's their community group leader, and just some of the ways that individuals are sharing that load. That would never happen if they somehow weren't plugged into that, if they weren't plugged into that, that group, they weren't plugged into that small pocket of community because it's so easy to, for our needs to get lost and for our mission to get lost. But when I see that happen, I just say, that's so amazing how community happens, how community works. And that, you know what? That's the gospel lived out. That's the gospel on, on display for the world to see. That's the gospel that the world can look around and say, why does this happen? How does this happen? You know, Sean said something to me just earlier, and, and, um, but it, he reminded me of something else when he said this. Because he said, you know, if the gospel is good for our street, then it's good for our neighbor. I'm like, yeah, that's right. And then he said, and if, it's, and if groups are good for us, it must be good for others. Now, he mentioned a particular group in our church, but I thought, that's right. If, if community groups are good for us, <laughs> are good for you, then they must be good for the world. Because the world is looking for a home. The world is looking for a social and spiritual home. The world is longing to discover who God is, but also to discover him in community. And why, why is this true? Jesus didn't do it all by himself. Jesus gathered a group of people with him called his disciples, and he shaped this community of people. And when he sent the disciples out, he never sent them out alone. He sent them out two by twos because we're never meant to do mission alone. And why is it so vital for us to consider partnering in mission together, serving uh, different ways within that mission, fueling that mission with our resources, connecting in little pockets of community throughout our city? Why is it so vital? It's vital because every person that you and I lock eyes with matters to God. So the person in your workplace and the person um, down the hall from you at work, the person in the sports club that you're a part of, the, per- the neighbor down the street, the neighbor next door to you, each person we lock eyes with matters to God. And God invites us into this mission to help them see who he is. It's because every person was created to be in a relationship with God. It's because every person will, is created to be in a relationship with God, but also the only way to discover the joy of relationship with him is through Christ. It's because only God's kingdom is what humanity is truly created for. And we will never be at rest until we find him. It's because the craving for a spiritual home is only found through a relationship with Christ. And it's because reconciliation with God spreads out to reconciliation with others. The cross is vertical and horizontal. So here's my question. What will we do with that? Will we partner in mission? Will we serve in some capacity on that mission? Will we join in community together to grow in our relationship with Christ, to grow in community with each other, and to reach out to the world around us in neighborhoods and networks? Will we do that? We're going to take a look at this little clip from The Hobbit and see what Bilbo um, decides to do as he's considering his messy relationship with the dwarfs. He starts to run, so let's, uh, let's take a look at it. 
Seven, eight, four, four, that's ten. Filikiri! That's twelve. And Bomba. That makes thirteen. Where's Bilbo? Where is our hobbit? Where is our hobbit? Curse the halfling! Now he's lost? I thought he was with Dory! Don't blame me! But where did you last see him? I think I saw him slip away when I first collared us. And what happened exactly? Tell me! I'll tell you what happened. Master Baggins saw his chance and he took it. He has thought of nothing but his soft bed and his warm hearth since first he stepped out of his door. We will not be seeing our hobbit again. He is long gone. No, he isn't. <laughs> I've never been so glad to see anyone in my life. We've given you up. How on earth did you get past the goblins? Oh, indeed. <laughs> oh, what does it matter? He's back. It matters. I want to know. Why did you come back? Look, I know you doubt me. I, I, know, I know you always have. And you're right, I often think of Bag End. I miss my books. And my armchair, and my garden. See, that's where I belong. That's home. And that's why I came back, because... You don't have one. A home. It was taken from you. But I will help you take it back if I can. I guess Bilbo could have ran. <laughs> he could have left the dwarfs. Uh, they were inconvenient for him. Uh, I guess he didn't have to care, really. Uh, even, he had a home. He was good. He had his books, his garden, his food, his friends, his family. Um, and sometimes that's, that's the choice we make, right? We're like, we're good. We, we have something, and we're okay. But, I mean, he, he caught something, right? He realized they didn't have what he had. They didn't have a home. And um, that just reminds me of our mission. There are the people that we lock eyes with daily, the people in our neighborhoods and networks, and it's so easy to sometimes get caught up in the hope, the joy, the peace. Even though it's sometimes difficult following, following Christ, but there's something so beautiful about it. Sometimes we can just get caught up and say, That's, I'm good with this, I like it. <laughs> but forget that others don't have it. And others are missing that spiritual home. Sometimes it's also how God has shaped our lives and blessed our lives through his wisdom and through the values of the kingdom slowly growing in us and us living them out. And, and other people are sometimes not, not living that, and they're struggling. And even that's sometimes easy to disregard and say, hey, I mean, I've 
hey, I've, I've, I've worked on this. I've built this life. I've figured out how to make this decision. I learned this lesson from Jesus and I've applied it. And so my life has changed a little bit in this regard. Well, they, that's their choice. But the reality is, is when we look at the people around us, we've got to ask ourselves, well, are we willing to help them find that? Are we willing to help them discover that? So they can find a spiritual home. Are we up to seeking two things? The welfare of the city, which is the common good. And then seeking the spiritual welfare of the city, which is the greater good. We're called to both. Um, And part of our mission is bringing that about. Now the difference with the hobbit is he had to leave home to do that. Some of us God will call to do that. But I think for most of us in this room, God is saying, "You you don't need to leave home to help others find a home. One writer says this, says the biggest risk you can take is not to go on a grand adventure in a faraway land, but to invest deeply where you are. And Jesus said to his disciples, as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And too often we equate sent with, I've got to leave this place to go to another place. Sometimes God calls us towards that, but I think for the most part, God is saying, I've sent you right here. I've sent you here in this city, in this neighborhood, in this network, in this workplace. Every disciple is sent. We are a sent community. That's what it means to be the church. The Holy Spirit is a sender. And when we come into relationship with God, He sends us into our neighborhoods and networks. And so the question remains for us, will we live like God sent people in our city? Will we open our lives up so others can find a home? So others can find Christ? As we close this series, as we close our gathering... Um, there's a song that is, I think will help us resonate with this and, and uh, give us a few moments to reflect on it and let God work in us and step up to the challenge in the next few moments. Um, some of the challenges we gave even in this talk. But to have this moment with God. I'm going to ask you to stand and sing these words with us and, um, and see if we can sing them with belief. Like, do we believe that, that God is the God of our neighborhood? that God is the God of our city, that God is the God of our network, that God is the God of our workplace, that, that he rules and reigns in every inch of our society. And for us to participate in what he's doing. And So let's take these moments, let's sing this, this song together. But as you're singing it, uh, you, have a, you have kind of a question in front of you like Bilbo had. Will you help others find a home? Spiritually and socially. Will we live and pursue the common good of our city but also the greater good of our city which is its spiritual welfare and uh, see what God tells you in your heart as we sing this and pray let's sing it together thank you Jesus God we declare that there is no one like you God we don't say that arrogantly about ourselves because it's only by your grace that we have found life in Jesus. It's only by your grace that we have found life in the Son and that we've recognized that there is no other place where we can find true life. So we say that humbly and gratefully and worshipfully that there is no one like you, our God. And we thank you, we thank you that though heaven is your realm and your home and the home of your son and your spirit, that Jesus would come and be an exile among us 
and make his home among us with such a huge vision for this world and yet was able to daily act locally, sometimes in the mundane, ordinary things and sometimes in the spectacular power of your kingdom. God, we say thank you for that and thank you because you teach us that us, we too, can live daily in our neighborhoods and in our networks with you as the source of our life, with Jesus as the bread of life. And Lord, we pray that by your grace and by the power of your spirit, that would pour out to others around us. We are here together in pockets and yet as a community, a family on mission, both for the common good of this city and the greater good of this city, for for the social home that people are longing for and the spiritual home that people's hearts are aching for. God, we say yes to partner in your mission. Use us, Lord. Use us, Lord, as we declare you the God of this city. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.